Okay, we're back with another Battleborn Duckers episode. It's exciting time right now. You know why, Brian? Because you keep dragging me here like night after night after <laughs> night after night. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that is exciting. Always always exciting. Hey, I'm with my uh, Muslim friend Brian. Hey, y'all got a bunch of, of new army equipment, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, we did. I got. Holy I smokes. finally got my fully automatic weapons. <laughs> Your best friend Biden dropped that off for no, you, huh, man? He's my boy. Biden's my homeboy. <laughs> All Biden. <laughs> yeah, man, good. No, you know what I'm excited for is uh, that you got you got some new semi-autos for bring out this season. No, no. <laughs> semi-autos? No, they're fully auto, man. We'll oh. slay some ducks with those bad boys. It's I'm bringing like, artillery out, dude. I can get a whole limit in like one shot. You know, they don't say it's the only anything. The only way Ron's going to hit something. Correct me if I'm wrong, but as long as you can only fit three in the gun, you're legal, right? They so don't say like anything about full auto. 350 millimeter rounds is good? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Three, <laughs> three. No, it's a, it's the beginning of upland season, man. And yeah. we, we got out. We did it a little bit. We had some success. and it was. Uh, so who'd you pay for your birds? Well, they sell them at Walmart now. You just go to Walmart.com. They have self-checkout. They Ron, bring them right to your Ron, car. You can't count the decoys. In your total. You got to count what you can count, man. <laughs> well, I guess you can't count that high anyway. So. Brian don't shoot that good because he can't go and get 10. Ron, Ron had to stop it before 10 because he, he got to take 11 his, his pants aren't on. So, um, so that being said, we brought... <laughs> oh, man, you, you're on one already tonight. <laughs> Anyways, we brought um, Mr. Alan Finney in. He is one of the... Did I say your last name right? Yes, sir, you did. Perfect. We brought him in. He, uh, I, got, I got to chat with him at some banquets and some retriever club things, you know, um, some NGO groups, and, uh, and uh, he, he has some, some cool stories about some cool dogs that are his, that he owns, and he runs them. He, he, he runs his dogs really hard, and I... I, I, I said, I got to get on the show, man, so we could kind of expose the way you hunt upland to the world. So tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your dogs, what got you into it. I appreciate it very much. The opportunity sounds fun. Well, I grew up in, in West Texas, and we always had um, uh, Britneys and English Pointers when I was growing up. And about eight years ago, my wife and I decided we wanted to go ahead and get a bird dog. We were looking for a Brittany, but we came across a guy from Europe. He was actually uh, from Bulgaria that had some really high-end females, and he happened to have a litter. I got to looking into it, and what's now the would be the maternal grandmother of, of Jaeger that you've met was the all-breed uh, European champion of Upland dog test in 2009. So I thought, huh, let's take a look at that. And he uh, really wasn't trying to make a lot of money, so I got, a, uh, got Jaeger Started working with them, put him into school with the with a guy up in Beaver, uh, Utah, best gun dogs. He spent about three months of training. What's his name up in Utah? His name is uh, Jared Moss. He does a good job then. Uh, he does. Um, certainly recommend if you do that kind of training, send him at about five months of age before they really yeah. imprint on the family. He's really good with raising the family bird dog and getting that training done for that, uh, really creating that fantastic started dog. Well, Jaeger was definitely our family dog. Got out there, got busy hunting. Um, it turns out the German Shorthair is a fantastic family dog. That's also a fantastic hunter. I, I don't know, man. I, they're pretty hyper, though, right? The German short hair will burn your house down if you don't give them attention. <laughs> so will Ron. So, but, yeah. We don't need to talk about how I almost burnt my house down last week. <laughs> no, it's just a garage. <laughs> so, anyways, that being said, hey, so you said it had really good lines from Bulgaria. Like, mm-hmm. pedigree's not that important, right? 
Um, it's really not. In in my experience, the German short hair are many of the um, um, of the of those of that type of versatile breed mm-hmm. are pretty good hunters because they haven't been really heavily bred as pets. Now your Weimaraners, Vichlas, you are going to get a little bit of that of dogs that were bred as pets. But the German short hair, the German wire hair. Uh, the poodle pointer, most of those are going to be pretty good hunters, but you really want to uh, certainly recommend spending the money, find good lines of both That's sides. what I was talking about. I was being facetious. Yeah. Like if you go buy, you know, dog off a of Craigslist from oh, yeah. Jimbo down in North Las Vegas. I got mine out of the Walmart parking lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that right. sounds good. But if you go <laughs> buy it, like you're going to get this dog and they're like, well, this dog's hard and it doesn't listen. It's hard to train. If you go find a good line on a dog, and we talk mm-hmm. about this a lot on the show, your training is going to be easier because that dog has natural instincts and he's ready to go a lot of the time, you know? And so that's what I was talking about. Well, you said you got your dogs clear from some um, gentleman in Bulgaria? He was from Bulgaria, and the, uh, the, the Potmus line of German short hair is one of the most world famous. Uh, you can find those all over Germany, Romania, Bulgaria. Uh, but that's Jaeger's mother, and the father was just a good old hunting dog. Nothing fancy yeah. about it. <laughs> what? Uh, no, you don't have to tell us if you want, don't want to. But how much did you pay for Jaeger? I paid five hundred for Jaeger. Are you kidding me? And I paid about six thousand on the training. Six thousand on the training. Yeah, which is cheaper probably than than waterfowl. Man, that that is a killer deal for that type of dog, man. Right. So sometimes really, I guess you just get lucky. <laughs> you do. Uh, you really want to look at about $2,000 for yeah. one that's uh, good breeding on both sides. And that's about what I believe the ones from Best Gone Dogs go for today. Yeah. Now, my second German short hair captain, he has strong lines on both sides. Yeah. And he is a hunting beast. Now, he was really, he went away to school, but for a shorter period of time. And from the day he hit the ground, he started copying Jaeger and doing everything. And the way I picked him out, because Jared recommended actually a different dog, but he sent me a video of the litter with a, a bird with a string on it when they were four weeks old. And every time he let that bird dog, the, the bird go and the litter went after the bird, Captain came out with that bird. And he wasn't even the biggest one in the litter. <laughs> but he came back with that bird no matter what. Winners win, huh? The winners win. That's what winners do. <laughs> Now, Captain has uh, been fantastic. You know, he's the one that I got the big idea to take up with all you guys' labs at the for the junior hunter, and he passed it on the first uh, first shot out. And the only reason he almost didn't, and actually it was your wife, the first one that pointed out to me that I was the one that broke some of the rules, but they kind of let it pass because <laughs> the dog was so good. <laughs> but you know, he went out there with three hundred labs and did exactly what they do. You know, he wasn't necessarily hitting the water the hardest, but he went out and got that bird out in the water just the same as all the labs did. So that was really a, a fun accomplishment to have a German short hair that would do what what the labs do. But what they also will do is every type of upland, whatever the situation, whether you're using calls, he will understand what you're doing and get on those birds, point them, retrieve them every time, no matter what. Well, I'm sure that short hair did a whole lot better than some of those. He fit in a lot better than some of those poodles. Did you, did you, you watch, watch any of the poodles? I, I saw one poodle that just kind of strutted out there really they slow. They strut and they hit the water and then they like, like it's it's like molasses. They're like, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm getting wet, guys. Hello, there, there's water in here. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you're watching. Yeah, your pointer does good. Your pointer looks fancy, man, because the pointers kind of trot. They look like I, they look like a dog mixed with a horse almost. I don't know. That's the only way I could describe them. They kind of like. 
what frolic frolic they kind of like frolic through the field when they go out to get stuff you know that sounds like a word from a crock wearer right there yeah yeah i got a i got a big vernacular anyway so they kind of frolic but then like there's some dogs out there like they brought these uh these like show retrievers like golden retrievers i mean those dogs like creep through the water like i don't i was like i don't know if this dog's gonna make it or not they're waiting for the boat yeah they would just go nice and slow but yeah, I think your dog did did excellent out there. I mean, it found all the ducks and it it kept a, it, it 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 passed tests that it wasn't it wasn't bred to pass. Well, so. he, he he definitely likes to hunt. He will do every type of hunting from from blood trailing. Now, one thing I will say about big game hunting with your dogs: be sure to talk to your game warden ahead of time. It does say you can't use a dog to assist in big game hunting. That being said. Um, if you have something down, you don't know where it is. I'm going to take the dog out there to to, to help find it because you don't want to to not find your your deer. And Lose we do, a crippled animal. You know what? Yeah, to find that crippled animal. And I do have some pretty funny GoPro footage. About it was about 1,200 yards away, and watching a, a buddy uh, shoot a pronghorn a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And then this is up north of Ely. You know how that that uh, that uh, sage is up there, really tall, and you can kind of get lost. Yeah, you can lose animals in a very easy. I mean, it's above your head. It, exactly. So you, you heard the thump. You knew it was down. Um, and and so we got out of the truck, started walking over there, and they were just running in circles. They had no idea what had happened. Uh-huh. Well, for whatever reason, I had put a GoPro, and this was actually Jaeger. I put a GoPro on his collar mm-hmm. just to see what would happen. All of a sudden, we look over, and Jaeger's just kind of looking around, you know, whatever. And said, what's he doing over there? Sure enough, he was just standing by the animal and just kind of walked away. Like, he didn't care. He's like, you guys are idiots. You don't even know where the thing is. I went back and looked at the footage, and there's this whole thing of his nose right by the blood trail walking out straight to it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've got photos of it. It's pretty cool. That's all, And I, I think, like, um, I mean, it's unethical to go and track an animal, find an animal with a dog. But right. once you've made an ethical shot, right. I, don't, I don't see any adverse reason not to go and find your game you've lost. Well, I know in some, some places there are uh, guys that you can hire. So if you, if you lost trail on an animal, it's getting dark mm-hmm. or whatever, there's guys that will run their dogs, and you can call them, and they'll, they'll actually come and try to track. You guys listening to, I don't know if it was a Bear Grease podcast or Steve Rennell, but they were talking about it, and this guy, that's what he does. Is he's, he's got hounds, and that's you know during hunting season. You give him a call and say, "Hey, I've been looking for my animal for two and a, two hours," and he said that he's he's ninety percent on the animals that are that he's tracking, mm-hmm. and he's a hundred percent on downed animals. So, oh wow! So if uh, if the animals if the animal goes down, his dogs are going to find it. Now the ones he's missing are some of the ones that are maybe wounded and crippled, and you know you'll see them every once in a while. You'll see them on the next season; they'll have a big chunk missing out of their neck or something. <laughs> but he's he, obviously he's not going to find those because those, those deer are going to go pretty pretty far those big game animals are gonna go pretty far even wounded but yeah i said as soon as the animal's down on the ground his dogs are they will find it it's just a matter of time so absolutely now captain he carries a backpack because he's a little more sturdy and that backpack will hold six bottles of water like this as well as uh, my knife set a havilon and a couple other lightweight knives and last year i had a buddy that had shot a cow elk um and i was about a mile away and and i was going to try to find a closer spot well 
I had it was just me and Captain, but we got into some bluegrass. So you know what I did? <laughs> Grab my shotgun. You let him go. You fed him a little bit. Because <laughs> so I, I would can't never pass shoot up on a good time. Yeah, I would never shoot at a grouse hunting. No. <laughs> and so, so I got a couple of bluegrass while I was trying to re- to to get up to help a guy retrieve an elk, and he actually retrieved those grouse carrying that five six eight pound backpack. And a, but he didn't run. He just kind of walked slow. Uh, carrying that blue grouse and it was just flapping and beating them in the face with its wings it's it's pretty funny but all the time carrying that backpack and then about an hour later we actually made it over uh to where everybody was and he you know had all the water bottles of water for everybody Mm -hmm. uh ready to go um then helped them carry all the meat out they had we ended up deboning it because it was in a canyon but uh he's he's great to have there and he's and he's fun early in camp well, yeah, he, it turns into like it's your best hunting buddy, you mm-hmm. know, because he there. It, it, there's nothing more exciting than being out with somebody that likes to hunt, oh, you yeah. know. And no one likes to hunt more than a hunting dog. In fact, last night we took Rock out. You know, I took Rock out for the dove opener. And yeah, he, he did pretty good. And um, I had to get up early again this morning, and that sucker busted through the back door because he thought I was going hunting without so, him. So the big question is, how many coots did Rock get yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> luckily there's no water so he got zero coots if game wars lean he got zero coots anyway so he busted through the back door and i i drug him in the house and like my wife calls me and it's like 5 34 in the morning and she goes your dog won't shut up like he's he's running around the house like like he's like take me like i can't believe dad left me he's hunting without me i know it's season now and so like that's probably the same with the captain is like he is just always like ready to go and there's nothing more exciting than having that energy around you when you're trying to hunt oh yeah now what the dogs are really bred for of course is upland i know that's what we're really talking about Mm -hmm. upland in southern nevada is a little bit different than you know the bobwhite quail out in texas or anywhere out in the south we have these gambles quail out here and they are the no mess around quail you know if you uh, you try to get on they may run they may fly uh, they survive that Mojave Desert heat, so you've got to really be prepared for them. We also have chuckers that you can get up in in the rock. So what I've developed with the pups is um, some might call a mountain lion style. So I drive really slow in a Jeep. You could use an ATV, and I use my truck. And whenever we get into where we think there might be some birds, the dogs will usually let me know. So I'll let Captain go, and he'll go up into the canyons, round and round and round and round. When he finally gets on uh, close to birds, you can kind of tell what he's doing. But if he gets really close, he'll go ahead and lock up and point. Now, if he does happen to flush the birds, I carry a hawk call with me. It'll shriek. And sometimes when the, when the bird's flushed, it'll get him to sit down. And he'll also return, just like blowing your whistle when you're duck hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that hot call or a whistle. He'll come back to me, and we'll you know get everything together. You know, we're just sitting in the truck, and and we'll head out over there. I'll also start blowing a uh, a quail call, which will also get them to kind of settle down and start talking back to you. And that's the, really the best way to find those coveys out in the Mojave, unless you just know where they are. I will say to everybody in Southern Nevada, just get out there. Uh, find you a map, find out where the water is, look for where the springs are, uh, maybe a guzzler map. Uh, be sure the guzzlers have water in them, of course, but anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, that's a tough test right now. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I, I, do, I do spot check them, you know, throw a little pebble in, see if it splashes, because uh, if it, it doesn't, you're likely not going to have very many birds around there. Um, but if you, if there's water, there's likely going to be gambles quail. You know, get at least 30 miles away from Las Vegas, I would say. 
Um, because, you know, right up in town, you never know what's going on. They're not likely going to be a great hunting spot. The golf courses are good. And the golf courses are amazing. <laughs> yeah, I live in, in the lakes, and we have geese and ducks flying in. We have, have geese and ducks landing in my backyard, which creates quite the havoc with bird dogs. You just got to go hunting really, really early, that's all. <laughs> right, right. Hey, I have a question about the quell calls. How hard is it to learn to blow one of those? Um, watch YouTube videos. Yeah. And then just mimic it. And whenever they the, the quail start talking, you want to exactly copy them. Because there will typically be one gamble's quail that will get up on a, on a bush and kind of look at you and start talking to mm-hmm. you. And then the others will start sneaking around. Now, you've got to watch your dog, especially Captain, because he'll sneak off because he knows what you're doing. And those, <laughs> the next thing you know, you have a bird over here. <clears throat> but uh, once you get them flushed up, just, just don't try to chase them. Just uh, use a call and see what they do. Um, and you don't have to work that hard at it. Um, but then you can just sneak up on them again and keep and keep the dogs close. As far as training the dogs, uh, you do need to be able to get, keep them to stay, get them to stay close. Whether mm-hmm. it's with a beeper, I use the Garmin Alpha system, or whatever it uh, may be. Uh, once you get them in close and you start going towards them, the dog will almost always let you know where they are um, and just follow them. The next thing you know, they'll they'll flush. Yeah, be, so being a duck hunter, back to the quill call. I'm sorry, I I, 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 lo- I like calls. It's, yeah. it's a musical instrument. Yep. When you blow on it, is it, is it a quick burst? or how, how long did it take you to learn how to mimic a quell? Just a couple of minutes watching YouTube videos. And then you could, they'll actually call back and then sit there and call back to you. Absolutely. Get really? the Get the wooden one. It's a piece of wood mm-hmm. about four inches by one inch, and it just yeah. has a rubber band around it and has a screw that you can take apart. Uh-huh. The problem with that one is it's hard to get to attach to the, the lanyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's others that attach to lanyards, but they're not quite as, as good. Uh, but it, you can exactly copy them if you practice just a little bit. Can you see if you can find that one to show everybody? So... Uh, what about the hawk call? How 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 is that one? It, it's a shriek, just like a hawk. Um, and you practice with it. Uh, those calls are typically made by uh, all the same company. If you bring it up on the computer, I'll remember the name of it. The ones that make the really good ones. It's just a shrieking hawk call. Um, has a little kind of a a bell on the end of it, and it's and it's super loud. Uh, so it's good to have a loud whistle with you anyway. Uh, that's not the. It's square. Yeah, it'll go over one more. It looks like it's... Oh, yeah, Gamble's quill call. Yeah. What about... Um, so you, That one, Fox, oh, Western quill call. Uh, oh, right there. That's the one I use. Yeah. So what's the coolest thing you've seen when you're out there calling these quail and you like you shoot that hawk call? Do they Have you ever seen them just drop automatically, like dump like a hawk's coming? Absolutely. And they dive down. It's creepy. Now, it doesn't work every time, and yeah. they don't necessarily just dive down and sit still. Um, but the, the, the biggest thing you want to happen is you want your dog to leave him alone and come back. Yeah. Uh, 16 bucks at a Walmart. Oh yeah. You've got to get one of those for sure. And then practice with it. Uh, the fox hawk call. It's a piece of wood about one inch by four inches. And so you just blowing that little slit right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now you're going to have to put the explicit one on this one. No. You did it, man. Good. Congratulations. You've been trying for 30 shows. <clears throat> 30, 32 now. 32. <laughs> so what, what I need to do this year is put some kind of a sticker on there so that, um, so that I can attach that to my lanyard. Yeah. Um, you know, with just a regular whistle. The other thing I started... How long are those? Are they like... It's about four inches by one inch wide. Four inch by one inch wide? Mm-hmm. I wonder, 
<laughs> I wonder if you could put like a lanyard on both sides, you know, and like uh, braid it. You know, maybe we could have Joe do it for us, and then just sit on your chest like a like a wrapper with a claw, you know. <laughs> right. You just could pick it up like a harmonica. But <clears throat> I actually have videos of using it now that I think about it. Wasn't, yeah. Wasn't prepared, but no, you're good. So yeah, that that's cool. I've never heard of anybody calling hawks. Or calling, calling, calling Quill into the thing. So I actually got that from an old timer here in town that told me about it, um, and it, it, it tends to work best with um, the Gamble's Quill, I guess, mm-hmm. from from what he was telling me. Uh, but the way the hawks are out here, have you ever seen a hawk come in after your game? Well, we've been out in the duck blind. We've seen hawks pull ducks right out of the yeah. air. Oh, the air. oh my gosh, that. that's awesome! Or if you shoot a duck and leave it in the water, uh-huh. like, and you're like, okay, there's more d- ducks coming, and we're gonna leave them in the water. The hawks will come down and steal your ducks. Oh, that reminds me. Game warden actually pointed this out to me one time. I was at Piranigut, mm-hmm. and uh, he pointed out a golden eagle that was out getting ducks on the other side, and I actually walked over there just to watch it. <laughs> See yeah. the goldens are pretty cool. The uh, the real one that's really impressive is you're watching the the bald eagles. So you'll get mm-hmm. them out sunny side. We've hunted sunny side and have them come in on the water, and we've had them. We actually saw them on the ice. So they were chasing ducks on the ice, which was pretty cool. Oh uh, yeah, there is that. That's a, just an enormous bird. Just oh, to yeah. watch that bird work. So yeah, it, it's fantastic. I've never seen a, a, a bald eagle. Now I've seen bald eagles at Paranagut, but never out in the hunting area. Yeah. Um. Another thing with your dog, so this is how you chase the quail. Um, how many miles do you think your dogs are running a day when you're running them right beside your Jeep? Um, the total, and you can actually measure it with the GPS. On a, an average day, captain's going to do 20, 22 miles. Jaeger will do 10 to 15. Um, now, my, my English setter, um, he's not ready for prime time yet, but he easily matches what what captain does he's a good looking dude though he's a good looking dude he's a hunting machine oh my gosh um and you know you just we'll we'll just see he's a work in progress his fetching is not quite there but his pointing is beautiful of course setters set they don't point because their their shoulders a little different when they point their body squats down to the ground Uh uh-huh and it is just beautiful really yeah so the 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 German shorthairs will stand up high and mm-hmm. point, and the setters get lower to the ground. They do. I bet they flush less birds that way, though. Um, they're really good about not flushing them. Um, Nitro, the setter, is a work in progress. We'll see. Yeah. It was at the end of the season before he fetched his first Gamble's Quail this past year. Um, he was had the very slightest amount of gun shyness, but I think it was just he didn't know what was going on. Um, because because the other dogs were so quick to 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 bolt whenever I would shoot a bird, and it took a while to kind of figure it out. Um, and of course, gunshine is something we've talked about quite a bit. It is something you want to be careful about, and if you're not sure, consult with a professional about gunshine. Um, I've heard that you can run a dog with it, um, but I've not ever witnessed it personally. <laughs> but I know that it is certainly possible. Yeah. See, when I got into duck hunting, we were relatively new new to it and so we knew to dogs and everything and my my best friend rock sorry brian you know my best <laughs> friend anyways my best friend rock i took him out and we just shot over him to start with and we got lucky i guess we you didn't only like rock more because he doesn't make funnier crops i don't like rock more because he gets more <laughs> ducks than you um 
That being said, what so you said also that your dogs give you a signal when they know there's birds outside. What is that? Do they start acting like idiots or what? Right. So <laughs> that's the signal Ron gives me. <laughs> so a Jaeger will nip me sometimes, but he doesn't bite too hard if I don't pay attention to him. He'll he'll bite me on the arm if there's a bird and I'm not listening. Um, but it typically, captain's out hunting. Mm-hmm. Now Jaeger will um, he'll he'll whine. Or even growl if there's a bird there and I'm not paying attention, you know, get my attention. Um, and the one scenario that was um, was fantastic. I had my buddy Jason was with me, and Captain was hunting. He was off to the right, and I spotted that he he pointed a covey. And then when they started run, when the oh yeah, when the when the bird stopped running, he does lift his head just a little bit, but mm-hmm. he won't fly. We we won't chase him. As soon as that happened, I said, Jason, go. And right as he did that, uh, Jaeger growled behind me. And when he was pointing, he was pointing out the window to my left. So Jason went with Captain, got two or three birds, and I went with Jaeger and got one bird. So it was actually, we somehow had split the covey. One dog pointed this way, one dog pointed that way, and we both got birds. It's uh, it's pretty cool how they can pick up that scent. That's awesome, man. Now, uh, so you're, you're running your dogs a lot, too. So 22 miles a day, that's that's a that's a lot of leg room on a dog. What do you do to take care of your dogs when you're doing that? Well, you, you've got to keep them hydrated. We try to give bone broth in the mornings. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, "Oh, don't feed your dog, don't do any of this before hunting and all that." Uh, you know, you know if that's what you want to do. But to me, I like to do whatever I can to get them hydrated. So we try bone broth, try water, uh, maybe part of a scrambled egg or something, but just whatever you can to get that moisture into them. Um, but bone broth is my favorite because it's minerals. It's got a taste of steak in it and it's got a lot, a little bit of fat, a little bit of bone marrow. And it'll get them to drink that whole cup of water, you know, one or two hours before you even start hunting. So we make that and I actually do that once or twice a week anyway. Um, for whatever reason, my wife and daughter started mixing in sweet potatoes, you know, lots of vitamins, whatever. So you got to keep them well fed. And now we also, um, now, granted, there, you can go overboard with how you feed your dogs. So yeah. we don't buy super high end food. We buy uh, dry food. It's about a buck fifty a pound. But we also buy in bulk chicken gizzards, chicken livers, chicken hearts, that type of thing, and then serum and some coconut oil and supplement it. You want to get, get lots of vitamins, lots of fat, lots of protein uh, to keep them to keep them going. Not overweight or anything, but just keep them you know, at a healthy weight. Because once hunting season starts, they drop their weight you know, unbelievably. Now on, on multi-hunt weekends, we definitely will, will step it up, give them some ham, high fat hamburger meat. Uh, and we also, and we've talked about this before, when you have three, three days in a row, most people say don't hunt your dogs back to back. Well, I'm going hunting, we're hunting three days in a row, and dogs are going with me all three days. So I get, uh, saline bags and I give them, uh, about 300 cc's below the skin between their shoulders. And then that, uh, saline will soak in overnight. They'll take a big pee the next morning, and they're well hydrated and ready to go. Um, and it's not painful to the dog; um, it just absorbs right in. Not no, this is not intravenous; it's between the, it's just under the skin. Subcutaneous. Subcutaneous. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, you know, consult with your vet, ask them how to do it. it it's super easy. So, um, but how fast a, does that bag go in? To um, you? I. I, I go about 300 cc's and I don't, and I don't, and there's that roller that you can control the speed. Mm-hmm. I go kind of half speed in there because I just want to want to go too fast and yeah. I just watch it um, and then pull it out, you know, go to the next dog. And so you put 300 cc's in each dog then? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Three to three and a quarter because it'll use the whole eater on How it. do you get the dog to sit still? You sit there with them while you're doing it? They're dead tired. You know, it's a random 22 miles, Ron. <laughs> I ain't moving after 22 miles. You can do whatever the heck you want to me at that point. So. Right, right. And this is only on multi-hunt days. And yeah. my multi-hunts are, uh, you know, I do a northern Arizona. I do a Colorado hunt with a buddy. Um, and, but rare, rarely in Nevada I do I do three days in a row, but possibly up north of it's, uh, you know, sage grouse or any of those, I'll, I'll do multi-day. Um, but speaking of multi-day and the running dog boots, people ask me about the boots all the time. Well, there's, uh, in the South, there's a, a popular distributor of boots that they're made, basically made out of, uh, uh, motorcycle inner tubes. And, and then there's ones that are shaped into boots that are still black. I do not recommend those in Nevada because of the bright will sun. You grab, will you look that up? Um, uh, the dog boots. Yeah, I'm just gonna have him look at the black ones that you don't recommend. Oh, the name of them. Uh, well, he can look it up. He's okay, yeah. Dog boots, and, and it's because of the heat. Because our bright sun here, even if it's 55, 60 degrees, you sunburn. Well, that's what's going on with these black dog boots as well. Like those ones right there. No, they are fancier. So Roughwear is the one I recommend. The second one there. Is that one black too, though? Uh, they make them in colors, them but it's colors? but it's a fabric. Okay. I uh, go to gundogsupply.com, dot com and they'll have them there. One second here. The name escapes me, and I have several pairs of them, and they are the standard for pros. But you have to use tape. Um, uh, Gundog Supply. So you're seeing the black ones, you wouldn't put those on your dogs down there in Southern Nevada because it'll burn them up. The rubber, the black rubber ones, um, they are definitely the standard, but in my experience, it gets their feet too hot, and that's where they, they try to sweat and cool down anyway. How often do you put the boots on your dog every time you run them? Or? Anytime there's going to be uh, right there. Lewis Vented, that's it. The Lewis dog boot is definitely the standard that... Uh, for for hunting and Mm -hmm. you know if it's going to be cold or if you're in texas or someplace where it's going to be cloudy and uh you really just with both burrs you know that's fine but they're in my experience the dog's feet swell um it just wasn't a good experience now the uh the red or the blue rough wear and i will say something about the rough wear band brand very high quality but they do tend to be non-hunting supportive the company itself um, okay so if that makes some makes a difference to somebody you know <laughs> whatever uh, <laughs> I, I tend to buy them on um well they on, could on, have been blue they almost look like your crocs ron <laughs> you might need a pair i can't well labs i can't get these for because i can't have him running through the water with these mm-hmm. he needs his web feet nope you so. cannot <laughs> you need to get rocks and crocs so <laughs> this is only be this is going to be for volcanic rock mm-hmm. choya cactus that kind of thing because you no matter what who or what you are you can't run on that volcanic rock and through the choya cactus without boots it just doesn't happen I wonder if I want to run them through those fields down there in Overton where it's that cut sunflower, if I should have these on his feet. I wouldn't use it until they're bleeding. Really? Yeah, and then do it next time. Well, Ron had to carry his dog <laughs> last time, so he well, carried he his dog half of, the, half of the day. We ran him through a burr patch. Yeah. Okay. We ran him through a burr patch, and so I had to pick him up because he, he, he's too stupid to quit. That's how these hunting dogs are. They're too stupid right. to quit. So he's, he's doing that hobble thing, and Brian's like, what are you doing? I was like, i got to get him to the rope so I can pull these burrs out of his foot. Okay. I've got, I've, I've got a bunch of extra pairs. I'll bring some if we get together Saturday yeah. and, and show them to you. 
Um, for the burrs, yeah. And, and it's also entertaining to put dogs on your boot, I mean, boots on your dog for the first time <laughs> and, and watch them. <laughs> Give them a pair of boots and some peanut butter. We'll be all good. Yeah. <laughs> be, a, be a regular party. Now, they do sound like a, a thundering herd once they start sprinting with them. Oh, do they um, really? Oh, yeah. Um, but once they get used to it, and um, that's the one thing with Captain, he runs so mm-hmm. hard, he'll take that uh, Vibram sole. Uh-huh. In, two or th- in two or three days, he'll wear it through, and you have to throw them away. Oh, really? So you bring extras when you're out with them? Then? Oh, yeah. I go. I probably have a hundred right now. So whatever, I, and then I, I take a shoe goo and I put uh-huh. them back together <laughs> and glue them back together. Uh, but if you notice, that fabric is breathable on the top. Okay. So that's how it keeps from uh, really burning them up. And I also, they sell roughwear, sell socks. Don't get the socks. It's dumb. Just use use medical tape. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and start just behind the toenails and wrap with that medical tape and then come back over the top on that Velcro with the medical tape to hold it down. Really? Or, or a vet, I think it's called vet wrap. Oh, the vet wrap. Vet or wrap. Is, yeah, the, non, the non-adhesive, self-sticking. How, right, do you, right. how do you pick what size shoe they need? Uh, trial and error. I've got is about it? five, six different sizes. Yeah, there's... Um, Captain on the front wears a three inch. On the back, he wears two seven five. Jaeger wears two seven five front and back. Nasher wears two point five front and back. Really? So is this, this fit until it feels mm-hmm. good? How do you do? You want the shoe on there all the way on the dog, or do you yes. want it some toe room like with kids? Or put it put it on all the way. Make sure their toenails don't curl. I back. picture yeah. Ron at Walmart with his dog and the little shoe thing trying to measure it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, if they sold them at Petco, I would go down there with my dog and try shoes on until I figured it out. Um, that's actually, now that you mention it, that's how we did it first. the first time yeah. was at um, was at Bass Pro. I just went in there and tried them on until they fit, and we just, yeah. that's the ones we got. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can do that. But every every different brand is going to fit differently. That's right. Yeah. Uh, this particular brand has the most sizes. They're also the most expensive, so... Look to pay half of retail on eBay for the people that that thought their dogs needed boots, and then they really didn't, and <laughs> were definitely not hunting hunting dogs, and um, you know just just shot for them. And that is the rough wear grip tracks. Well, they're what thirty seven fifty for a pair. So yeah, seventy five uh, seventy five bucks for a, for a dog. <laughs> and that was dog. And he's got a hundred of them. Hunt. Yeah, <laughs> right. Two hunts and he's done. No, no wonder he's going back with duct tape and glue trying to put them back together. <laughs> Yeah, you want to target about $40, $45 for four of them on eBay. That's about what I get them for. You just shop and find them, find those deals. I have a alert set up on eBay. Do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to get to it first. Hey, now back to the bone broth. Do you yes. make your own bone broth? Do you make it out of game bone? Do you go, how do you do it? What's your What's your secret recipe? Um, you know, if you have a steak, just take the bone, throw it in a pressure cooker overnight. A mm-hmm. um, little bit of rosemary, a little bit of cinnamon, um, and it's going to pull all that stuff out of it. Now, you can buy fancy uh, bones in the store that are mm-hmm. meant to do that, where the marrow is going to come out and really make it good. Um, I think it's super healthy. It's actually good for people, too. It just doesn't taste very good without salt and pepper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing tastes good without salt and pepper. <laughs> no, but and then um, do you freeze the bags of the bone broth, the, the storm, or do you pressure can them? What's your process um, there? 
they're usually gone within a couple of three days. Well, the bone broth, I mean, you can you can do it. You can leave it for a couple of days, three or four days, mm-hmm. actually cooking for a while. Your wife probably does it wrong. No, I, I know, know my, my wife, wife does it. So My wife feeds me bone broth, but she pressure cans it. So I was trying to figure out if he had a trick for his dog. Well, that's even better. That. Just don't put any salt in it. Yeah. yeah. Do it exactly that way, but with no salt. Yeah, but I was thinking when I go out with my dog, Rock. and So you feed your dog's bone broth every day then? I would if we had it, yes. If you had it? Yes. So I was thinking if I made a big batch, I could freeze it in Ziploc baggies in the freezer and stack it up and then pull it out. That's what we do. It. I mean, we have we have bone broth in the freezer. Yeah. Well, I know bone broth super good for you. I used to used to drink it every morning before I went duck hunting, but then it gives you the craps. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes it makes for on pee, but then again, everything makes for on pee. So right, uh, I, I like to think of it as Gatorade for the pups. You yeah, know, they're, they're, they like it. They're going to drink it. Um, there's a lot of supplements out there that, mm-hmm. that, that companies make. Yeah, whatever you think. Um, it, it, this looks like expensive powder to me. Now, how much bone broth are you giving your dogs? Like when you go out, is this what you got or just whatever I've got? Let's see. Today there was a one of those one quart mason jars. Mm-hmm. I split it between the three of them. Split it between the three of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean that that's a great idea. It's very easy to store. You don't have to put it in the freezer. Um, I could, when you kill these big game animals, you could, instead of just wasting the bones, you could go ahead and make bone broth out of the whole big game animal. That'd probably know? be even better, actually. Those yeah. Bones, yeah. Yeah. You can make bone, like, and I've got that big pot. I boil all the skulls in for the euros and I can make a big bone broth pot and then freeze it and I'll have it throughout the year. Well, that's the thing. If you're, if you're hunting big game anyways, I mean, you're bringing, I don't know, there's a lot, I guess a lot of people are taking their stuff to the butcher. We butcher our own. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's always the bone and you're, that's the biggest thing is getting rid of your bones. So, uh, make a bone broth out of it. It's really good. Where's your setup? Do you, do you do it? I do it on my kitchen counter. Oh, okay. I was yeah. going to say, okay. Gotcha. But so. they have those big old Cajun pot boiler things that mm-hmm. you can put outside in your yard with a propane tank. And that's, that's what I was considered doing. But my wife doesn't like the bone broth from um, deer and antelope because it's really gamey. But I'm sure my dog wouldn't care. You know? Oh, yeah. If, if you have that set up, I'd do that all day, every day. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, you know, interest, I'd be interested to hear other opinions about, because I've, I've just always been kind of skeptical of people saying, don't feed your dog for 24 hours before you run them and all this kind of stuff. Well, I know running working dogs, so we ran cattle dogs for a while, and, and running working dogs, they work better when they're a little bit hungry. Mm-hmm. And so we, the reason it isn't the fact that you're going to make them sick or anything, it's the fact that they're going to work. So you want them to be at their peak performance, and that's when they're just a little bit hungry to work. And so generally we won't work them in the morning. We'll, we won't feed them in the morning. We'll feed them in the afternoon. We do the same thing with our horses. So if we're going mm-hmm. out to do a roundup, Generally, we, we cut feed a little bit so they're hungry and they're in a hungry. They call it, a, in in the Western world, we used to call it a working weight horse, right? So you keep them a little bit thin and it gives them a little bit more drive because dogs are prey driven, right? So then they get hungry, they want to work, and that's how they're going to have some extra drive with it. So um, I don't think it's anything more than that for a lot of guys, but I think it gets translated a lot into, hey, this is a horrible thing. You can't do that. And it's not necessarily the truth. It's just, People have found that their dogs work better that way. I, I don't think it's a hard line at all. I know before the hunt trials um, where we ran with you, my wife, um, uh, that's why I told her. I said, people say don't don't feed your dogs before you go out and do these things so they don't perform as well. And she brought the dog out the one time, and it was nuts. Tink, Tink didn't pass that, that first hunt trial test. 
And then the next day she goes, I, I think you're full of crap. I'm going to feed them. She goes, I think that's what the dogs want. And so the next day she fed Tink and Rock, and they, they're more calm and steady and perform better. And so I think, I think it's almost a lot like raising kids. You know, consistency is more important than... Well, it's a routine, right? So if yeah. you're taking them into, especially for Rock and Tink, that was a brand new experience to them, really. So there's a ton of extra dogs around they're not used to. And then you take them out and you put them into a new environment, and now you've changed their routine, right? Normally, they'd be eating, and now you said, oh, we're not going to eat you, and now we're going to throw you into this weird environment, <laughs> and then they're going to make you do some crap that you don't know what the heck you're doing. So um, I, I think you got to have some consistency. So if your dog's used to, if we're going hunting, they know that... I'm going to get fed after we hunt and the dogs are used to that. I think they key in on it. They probably do work a little bit better, but if they're not <laughs> used to that, then it's, it's kind of a moot point, right? Cause yeah. then they're just going to be miserable the whole time. And they're not going to work very well. Yeah. They won't like, what do we do with rock the whole time when he's in dude, the you feed them oysters and crap, dude. Those are, and those are the most disgusting things. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's animal abuse right there. Oh, that's funny. So my family, um, you're talking about the smoke cans. The smoked oysters. Yes. Yeah. 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 So the oysters and then the sardines too. That's my family all day, every day. With every the cracker. day, right? <laughs> so I, I'm a, I, I love you oysters. You know what I do? I'll be out in the blind, Alan, and they have them cattails right there by the blinds, or they always have these. The, uh, the these, natural these, corn dogs? These sagebrush, yeah. <laughs> so I just put them on the corn dog. No. So what I'll do is I'll take a stick and break it off, and then we just eat it with a stick. <laughs> We're out there, one for me, one for rock, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so my wife brought some home for her dad the the other day she found them at the grocery store on his clearance i'm like you know what maybe i'll try them they're smoked i like smoked food i like raw oysters i put one of them in my mouth and, and i couldn't get the taste out for like three freaking days <laughs> yeah but oh when we're gosh. in the blind with rock like people will be like hey can i feed him i was like as long as it doesn't get chocolate in it man you can share whatever you want with them you know one for him one for you that's the rule yep i'll tell you what else they like uh when you go fishing the mm -hmm. trout save the heads Really, oh, it's, yeah. it's any of the any of the guts. We have a friend that um, when we would butcher our chickens, she would mm -hmm. come help us just so she could have the guts because she did all natural food diets. So she didn't feed them any commercial dog food. It was all raw diet. So mm -hmm. it was all the entrails and the heart and the livers and the lungs. And so she would collect all that stuff, and that's what she fed her dogs. Yeah, the entrails. Uh, I don't know. My, one of my dogs got into uh, the guts with sage grouse, and it didn't end well. What happened? Oh, he puked it everywhere. Oh, it was the puking. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's all what the dogs used to. Because um, when we go hunting, we'll we'll harvest the big game. And we don't want to waste anything, so we'll, uh, you know, we'll meet it out. And then I've got I've got a little bit of land, and so I'll just go throw it on the back uh, where the dogs can't get to it, and we'll leave it up there for the summer. And as the as the year goes on, as the hunting season's out, I'll go and cut those bones up and just throw them out to the dogs. Mm -hmm. And they'll they'll go through them as they can, you know. And so I think feeding your dogs natural things that you can find when you're hunting and not wasting that food is, is a great thing well, to do. Well, it's all high protein. It's all good food. So if they're in the wild, that's what they're going to be eating, right? So if they're in the wild, they're going to go chase down the the birds and, and the small animals. And that's what they're going to eat. And they're going to eat everything they possibly can you know they're going to eat especially the hearts and the livers that have a high protein high vitamin content to them they're gonna be happy with that they, they love it and so commercial dog foods are a lot of times trying to mimic the same thing that you can get for free so for a cheaper version yeah if you're, you're out hunting ducks and I, I don't know about everybody else but for me i the only thing i take is the breast so i breast my ducks that's it mm -hmm. and so there's everything else in there that the dogs could eat so you pull the hearts the livers and i know 
Ron was taking the tongues for a while to to try to eat. We tried it, man. It wasn't good. You said it was the best thing ever. That's why you're keeping them. And <laughs> no, my my wife was like, in France, they eat these tongues out of the ducks. And I was like, well, I mean, I'll try it. Guaranteed so, the dog will eat it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All day long. Yeah, that's what that's the best thing about having a dog. You don't have to eat everything. See, that's, well, that was gross. <laughs> well, I'll take mine out and I'll throw them. We have some, some barn cats and I'll throw them out to the barn cats and let them, you know, that's for them. They're like, sweet, you know. Mm-hmm. And, then that's just natural food for them. And it's funny because you look at, like a dog, will t- they will take everything that they can without touching the brain and the intestine. That's kind of the last resort thing for them. Where a cat will come in, and that's their first thing they're going for. So you'll see them hit the head and the gut. That's that's where they start, and that's that's what their primary source of food is. So it's pretty interesting. You can a lot of times tell what has taken an animal just by what's been eaten off the animal first. Yeah. Now, since you went there with this conversation, I'll tell you something <laughs> about cleaning a quail. So once you've skinned it uh, and taken the guts out and you have the head and everything still on there, if you're holding the breast and take the head and the neck and pull it, that entire spine will come off and take the, the legs with it as well. And so you can actually separate it and have a breast that's much easier to cook rather than cutting the head off, cutting the legs off. Uh, and then I take the the part of the spine right as at the uh, the legs and clip that off, and then the dogs will eat the whole thing, head, spine, everything, all of those. Oh, so, really? Yeah. But with a quail, I don't know if you can do it with a bigger bird, but if you hold the the breast like this and then the, the, the neck and head there, you can peel that spine right off of the back. And it makes oh. it a really nice, easy-to-cook uh, bone-in breast of the quail. See, I don't do all I'll, I'll – I'll just pull mine off, and so I'm just with the boneless breast, and that's what I'll pull off. Just my fillet it. Just fillet. Oh it yeah, out. take the whole meat. That's even even better. Yeah, because yeah, that, yeah. For me, it just. I mean, yeah, you don't get a lot, a ton of meat, but for me, it's it's just easier to cook. You throw it in there, it's yeah. super easy. You're not having to worry about anything else, and you go about it. that's all my birds pretty much, with the exception of you know a goose. I'll go a little bit more just because they're a little bit bigger. What but, about brining meat? So I very rarely brine. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I've never seen the need to. Okay. Um, my wife did some chicken that was really good, but I've just never seen the need to. We don't. So for me, and I think Ron does a little bit different, but for, especially for like duck and and dove and stuff like that, I just cook it super simple. I salt, pepper, garlic, a little bit of oil in the pan, two minutes per side, and we're done. So you're, you're not overcooking the meat. You're not getting that gaminess out of the meat. So the longer you cook it, in fact, somebody on Facebook on one of our local yard sale sites is asking. Do you eat dove or do you, or do you some nuisance? I'm like, no, eat them. They're good. Mm-hmm. They're, they're one of my favorite meats. But I'm like, it's the same thing with it. And somebody was asking how to cook. I said, the same thing with a duck. If you overcook it, it's going to taste like crap. And you're going to say it's the worst food you ever had. So you can't overcook them. And so for me, I just like it super simple. Ron does the poppers and all that stuff. And they're, and they're good. There's nothing wrong with them. But for me, I can throw it on the grill. And with, I have teenage boys. So we'll, they'll wipe out two pounds of meat in a heartbeat so that's a lot of poppers to go through so right so we've, i've never brined them i know people do and i know there's a lot of things oh the meat's gamey so we're going to add buttermilk to it or we're going to do this or we're going to do that i i think honestly if you if you take care of the animal when you when you harvest it so if we're not sitting in 110 degrees with the bird on the ground for six hours and so we're getting the meat cooled down we're getting it clean we're not getting a lot of dirt in it we're not overcooking it I think you eliminate a lot of the problems that, that people have with wild game, whether it's venison or dove or duck or any of that. And so you, I don't, I don't think there's a need. I know some people are like, they, they live by that. I'm going to brine everything I have is going to get brined. But mm-hmm. for me, it's just never been, I, I did, I'll be honest with you. I did a turkey one time and, and the first time I smoked the turkey, it was, Oh yeah, you got to brine it. You got to brine it. And 
probably the worst smoked turkey I've ever had. Gotcha. And I've never brined anything since then for, for a turkey. And, and they always turn out really good and really juicy and really moist. So it's more about how you cook it, I think, than anything else. I think I think you need a brine if you're going to take all the moisture out. If you're doing it like brine, I, I prefer also. If you're doing it quick and fast, you're not losing all that moisture. So do you, whenever you're, you have, if you have days or months from the time you shoot the game to the time you eat it, do you do a, do a dry, cool so few I, days or do you, no water? Or? So I vacuum seal it. So all the moisture that was in the meat is going to stay in the meat. Okay. So I vacuum seal everything before I freeze it. And then when you pull it out, it's, it's just, I, I've had it. It's been just as good. I'm pulling meat out of the freezer from two years ago. In fact, I've got meat from my father-in-law from like six years ago, I think, in my freezer at this point. But as long as it's vacuum sealed, you're not getting that meat's not not turning on you. Like if you're paper wrapped, yeah, you're going to lose some moisture paper wrapped because the freezer, and you're also going to get some freezer burn and all the other things to it. Or so if you use a Ziploc bag, Ziploc bags the same way. You're going to get a little bit of air in there. When you vacuum seal it, you're taking all the air out of that. So you're taking that out of the equation. And so what was left in that in that animal was as far as moisture is still going to be there. It's not. It doesn't have anywhere to go. So we haven't, we've had really good luck with that. Um, I do the same thing with Cody. I know Cody's got a, a duck in the free, freezer to get mounted. And so the first thing we did is I threw it in the vacuum sealer and vacuum sealed the mount because then everything's preserved exactly the way it was. You don't have to worry about it getting freezer burned or having an issue with it later on down the line. So I do, do think. Do you use the vacuum sealer before, Alan? Um, I, I don't have one, but I know a lot of people that do that. Kind of where I was going with this is a lot of times, when you're out there, you don't have any good way to, to take care of them. So I use salt water in a bag. And a lot of times they just go straight from the, the meats and in, in salt water in the bag or some Tony Satchery's or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then straight into the freezer. Really? Um, so they're sealed in the ice. And it turns out okay. But I'm kind of wondering about dry aging game. I know. Well. So you're going to get, it's going to get really gamey really fast. So that's, uh, even if you dry age beef. Mm-hmm. So. That outer layer of the beef, so you lose a big portion of it because if you were to eat that outer layer, nasty. it's really nasty and really strong because it's, it's basically it's controlled decomposition is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so the duck, as we let it sit and we let it age and and we it actually gets gamier or the, any big game it gets gamier. We're talking. I've never liked antelope. It's never been my favorite. It's like eh, I don't even really have a desire to go hunt it because I'm not going to eat it. We were talking to an old boy up in Ely one day, and he was saying that the trick is with antelope, you have to get gutted and on ice within an hour. And you need to have it pretty much in the freezer within 24 hours. And he said after, what was it, six months, Ron, or something like that, that that meat actually will start to turn in the freezer. See, I kind of disagree wow. with you. I've heard, um, I, and I, sorry, I, I, I agree with you and I don't agree with you. Uh, just because I've heard from some some folks that back in Europe or colder places that they'll let their ducks and their game birds sit out for three days before they process them. It's got to be cold there, though. Right? Yeah, it's it's colder. It <laughs> yeah, it's, colder a big, it's a di- it's a big you know, So I wonder if you could do it in the freezer or, or, or in your fridge or if you have a fridge in your garage or something and let, let the birds age on, on the bird, you know, before. Because I can see cutting and then you're losing some versus – um, you have the you have the you know you have the cutaneous subcutaneous layer, and then you have your muscle, and you have your fat, and you have the 
the where your muscle slides on your skin, you know. And so instead of losing the meat, you have like you have like three protective yeah, layers. If you're wanting to cool that. it down, you're wanting to cool the animal down. So what's the number one thing an animal is get its skin and get it gutted, right? Mm-hmm. Except it's, for with a game bird. I mean like you don't have to you don't have to gut it is what they're saying this method is. And I haven't tried it. Maybe I'll try it this year and see if I get sick and then we could talk about <laughs> a different show. But I, I've heard like the European method is you, you let it sit in your fridge. But it's it's Europe and they eat haggis. Yeah, I don't so. know. I, I, the thing I know about Europe is they've been doing it for a long time, and just because, like, the the American system right now is so antiseptic. Like, they're like, oh, you have to wipe down your counters, you know, like you have to cook meat up to this temperature until it tastes like shit, you know, like. And so I don't like. I'm kind of well. My wife's a hippie, so that's probably rubbing off on me. But like, I'm trying to get away from that American system where everything has to be cooked like cooked high and like everything has to be bleached and like cleaned you know like if i'm doing it myself i don't have to follow your rules well and the thing is so you're talking about wild game it's you're not having the same issues so the issues are coming from the packing plants and stuff like that so i don't cook my my duck and my wild game is medium rare and that's that's as done as i want it yeah you know and so you're not overcooking it. You're not, you know, everybody else would say, oh, you got to cook it 7,000 degrees for 15 hours. And, you know, my grandmother was like that. She's from England and everything she cooked was like on 600 degrees for four and a half hours, you know, and, and low then, and slow, baby. Low and, and, slow. and so for me, it's just, I, w- I don't want it like that. I want to maintain the, ma- the flavor of the meat. And so it, it's just, I don't know. And, and you just don't want it to start to turn. So when it starts to turn, especially with wild game, there's, the fats and stuff are going to go pretty quick and they're, they're not like a store-bought beef or something like that where the only thing they've been eating is processed grains and some grass. I mean, these things are eating wild seeds and bugs and, mm-hmm. and everything else. So they're going to have a different flavor profile to start with. I mean, it's just like a chicken egg, you know, it's like a McGanzer versus a, yeah. a, a mallard, you well, know, even, the McGanzer tastes like crap. Cause he's eating like crap, even like a chicken know? egg. So you take a chicken egg from the store, you crack it open. It's yellow. If I would t- go take one of the chicken eggs out of my backyard and I crack it, it's orange. And it's because they're eating, I mean, they're free-range chickens. They're eating mm-hmm. all the bugs and everything else. And they taste a thousand times better. Oh, yeah. Very flavorful. So <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it's the same thing when you're talking about wild game, too. So sage-grouse, perfect example. Sage-grouse is basically wild chicken, right? I mean, mm-hmm. same size. I mean, you're looking at, they, they should be fairly comparable. They taste nothing alike. And this and the grouse, the blue grouse and the sage grouse are lights out a hundred thousand times better than chicken, mm-hmm. and, and they have a better flavor profile. It's like so a steak, that's what you like. They, they are there. I mean, they're great. I love them. So, I mean, um, I don't get deer tags anymore. I might as well just go hunt grouse now. One other thing my wife does during hunting season um, is she'll take our organic eggs and she'll save the shells. And when she's feeding the dogs, she'll crack an egg on top of their food and then crunch all the shells on top of their food too. Yep, calcium. Yeah, and just let the dogs go through those shells. Did you have something to say before I cut you off? Um. Oh yeah. Well, my the only thing that I found with the shells is they tend to come out the same way they went in. <laughs> so I'm not sure how much they're digesting. So you certainly yeah. want to crunch them up pretty good. Um, yeah. Some people say to to smash them up in a like a coffee grinder or something to powder those eggs. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's what we do after long hunt with Rock, because Rock will hunt with me every other day of the week for mm-hmm. almost the whole duck season. And you'll see him at the be- at the end of duck season, like people will be like, Is your dog okay? And I'm like, Man, he's eating like five bowls of food a day, man. Like, but he's just running hard and I don't think he'd want it any other way. So is there any time that you've pulled your dog off because he's got too skinny or 
Um, no, not really. There was been one or twice, once or twice that I probably should have. Uh, Jaeger had an anal gland infection on one hunt, but we were only we we're on day one of a four or five day hunt, mm-hmm. and I just said, "Sorry, bud." <laughs> yeah, and so I had some uh, 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 some uh, what's it called the antibiotic neosporin, yeah. and I was you know <laughs> taking care of it. Yeah, and talked to the vet, and he just said we'll bring him in as soon as possible. And he was miserable, but you know just toughed it out. One time he lost mm-hmm. some stitches, just kept it clean, kept going. Uh, one time, Captain, another fight, uh, another dog bit his ear and ripped it off. I super glued it back on. <laughs> And went to the vet a couple of days later and ripped out all the infection, sewed it back up, and it's still scarred to this day. Same ear, uh, different time. Um, a dog actually bit the tip of his ear off because he was being, you know, annoying. And the other deer, he was actually away at school. Another deer, another dog bit the tip of his ear off and uh-huh. ate it. Ate it, but. <laughs> That's insult to injury right there. I know. Bite your ear off and I'm going to eat it. Yeah. What do you do when another dog attacks your dog? Do you get mad about it or is um, it just the, like the, it's the way it is? It depends on the situation. You know, um, we have had a couple of situations, um, you know, labs tend to be a little stronger than, than, uh, short hairs. We did have a situation last year where there was a lab that was just being a bully. Um, captain did finally get him on the ground though. So it worked itself <laughs> out, but. <laughs> Uh, you, you definitely want to avoid, you know, the bully breeds because they can kill your dog in two seconds. You know, as far as I'm concerned, just keep them away uh, unless you really know that that bully breed dog because they can snap and the dog can be gone in a second. Um, yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. So I, I tend to keep them away. Um, now that they've gotten older, Captain behaves pretty well. Uh, the younger dog, Nitro, he hasn't. He's never found a fight he wasn't willing to start. So. <laughs> So we've got to, we've got to watch him because he's a forty. Is he on Facebook? <laughs> I think I've seen him on Facebook. Brian is still animal on Facebook. <laughs> so we have to watch him a little bit because he's only like forty eight pounds and thinks he's one hundred and fifty. Is that the sh- is that the shepherd you got? No, he he's oh. he's an English setter. English that's an English yeah. setter. He's always ready to fight, huh? Oh yeah, it's always oh, yeah. the ones that are going to get beat up that are really ready to do it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so, but it's usually just because uh, they're, they're bothering him or whatever, you know, it it can be the completely opposite. Um, He hangs out with a German shepherd that's Mm -hmm. weighs a hundred pounds and they get along famously. And this was a rescued German shepherd that Mm -hmm. fought and was horrible, but he gets along perfectly with nitro and, you know, they're, they're best of friends. They, they spend time together. um, And it just, you just never know what the situation is going to be. So just watch out. Um, You know, you certainly don't want, uh, to encourage it, but you also don't want to discourage your dog from getting out there and having fun. I'll also say stay away from the dog parks. You know, don't <laughs> take your bird dog out there. You don't need any of those diseases. They will get that, parvo. that war, that, uh, well, parvo. Yeah. You want to, yeah, that's the worst. Um, but there's another, like a wart that they get in their mouth. They'll get it for sure. If you go to the really? dog park. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. I don't bring my dog to the dog park, but speaking we have a of huge a dog park, it's called. The desert. The WMA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so uh speaking of working dogs and fighting, my my rock towards the end of the season, he just looks like a bodybuilder. Like he's just mm-hmm. very toned and very ripped. And he's out chasing ducks every day and he's in the cold. And um towards the end of the last duck season we had we live out in Logandale and so these the dogs kinda of just run wild out there. I don't know how any other way to put it. Like people don't wash their dogs, you'll you'll have dogs in your yard and stuff like that. And there's nothing you can really do about it, it's just country life. 
you know, but, um, these two dogs came in and, uh, um, I don't know what happened, but, uh, my wife comes running outside and rock, <laughs> rock, rock, who's been hunting for the last three months has both of them pinned on the ground <laughs> Two two full grown sized dogs, yeah. you know, cause they just, they, they haven't ran. Like I'm sure that's the same with captain or, mm-hmm. you know, your other dog. If they go up against a dog park dog, it's, 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 it's going to be rough for that dog park dog. Right, except for the breed difference, because labs, if you look at their jaws compared to a to a short hair, they are a lot stronger. I would estimate that a lab has twice the bite strength of a really? short hair, okay. probably. Um, conversely, if you look at a German wire hair pointer, they're probably even stronger than a lab. A German wire hair is much much stronger than a German short hair. If you look at their jaws and and really what they're known for, a wire hair can really tear up uh, somebody. But if you, but they're they're considered to be this a similar kind of dog, but they're really not. A German wire hair is a much stronger, much more aggressive, much stronger jaw than a short hair. That's what they call the silver labs, right? No, the, no, a silver lab is just a uh, is just a a, a a a brown lab that has that genetic uh, recessive gene to where mm-hmm. they look silver. Someone told me though that they they get that recessive gene from being mixed with wire wire rammers. Oh, with wire wire runners, runners is different yeah. than oh, yeah, a wire yeah. hair. Okay, okay. Sorry, I apologize. So, a wire haired pointer looks like a German short hair, but with long, wiry hair. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, why he's looking this up so we can see the difference? Because obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, that's a wire hair oh, pointer right there. That was that dog. They up got in, the, they got like the beard. That was that dog up in a uh, Nesbit where I told the guy my decoys were set up, and he was running this dog in the in the bull rush. Remember? Oh I was, yeah. He had, he had that dog. Yeah. Anyways, um, so that's my that's my spirit animal right there. Look at that beard. I know, dude. Yeah, and their and their hair is very wiry. Their whiskers will actually poke your. Hey, skin. throw it on the screen so everybody else can see. Yeah. Um. Another another question. You said earlier in the podcast about sending your dog to a trainer. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty tuned up with the uh, with the pointers now. Even though you're tuned up, would you still send your dogs to trainers, and why? Absolutely. You, you want to go young before they've imprinted on your family. And they're going to take them through that first 30, 60, 90 days mm-hmm. of training for the basic discipline, the, the fetching. Uh, they'll teach them when they hear the beep to come back, uh, back to you. Um, and it, it's just a really, it's a better experience for them. Uh, but you definitely want to do it young. You want it to be completely done by the time they're 11, 12 months old. Yeah. Um, if, if you wait too long, the dog's not going to understand why you're sending them away. They're going to equate that to sending them to the pound. And it could be a bad, bad, bad experience for the dog. Okay, so after you send your dog to train once, do you send them for tune-ups? So with, um, yes. So I sent, typically you'll send them for 30 days, give them a break. And then with Jaeger, we send them back again for 60 days. However, with Jaeger, Jaeger was actually invited to go on a tour. So he lived in the back of a, of a horse trailer <laughs> where his trainer went to multiple locations for him to take classes as a trainer with other trainers. So he actually had double duty for 60 days. Now, he did lose 10 or 12 pounds because of that. I uh, wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but I would definitely recommend 30 days, take a break, go back for 60 days, uh, and then see where you are at that point. Yeah, so you think a, a, a good trainer is 110% worth the money? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because it's, it's, like, um, it's almost like buying a gun and then not knowing how to shoot it. Oh, yeah, got to get it fit. Yeah, you get a good fit on it, you get it sighted in, you know, mm-hmm. and then you get that, that gun back. and it's, Then it can become part of your family, mm-hmm. then it can become your friend, and then 
you have that working relationship. It's like having an employee not training it is mm-hmm. what it is. So yeah, definitely. Um, and if you're if you're shopping around, look for Champion Lines on both sides of the family, and look at a budget about two thousand dollars. You might find some for less, some a little bit more. You might find a started dog at six eight months old for twenty five hundred. Um, but you know, buying, you know, look at the parents and see if they're good with you because you're gonna want a family dog. Yeah, uh, you know, if you just want a, a kennel dog, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but for me, it's the family dog that's also a hunting buddy that's there with you to do anything and everything all the time. And just beware with the German short hair. If you don't spend time with them, they will burn your house down. Well, that's any working dog. I mean, <laughs> that's that's what they do, and that's. The biggest misconception, that's why you see a lot of like uh, cattle dogs in, in shelters or German shepherds or even labs. Mm-hmm. They have to have a job. So mm-hmm. if you don't, if you take the job, job away from them, then you've got an issue because they're the only way that they can fix that is to get destructive, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to tear your couch up. They're going to rip apart everything that you own. Mm-hmm. They're going to chew holes in the walls, you know, and it's, it's not that they're bad dogs inherently just bad. It's the fact that they're bored and they need something to do. They need a job. And so people will go get a cattle dog or a lab and put them in a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> and they take them out to go to the bathroom once a day. Yeah. And then they wonder why they're tearing all their crap up. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's because it's you. Sure, be that. So, that's, that's the meaning of the scribes what he's talking about. So, yeah, it's uh, but that's the, uh, and that's the thing. is, It's not the dog. It's, it's, that's, on, <laughs> that's on you. So, can people see this stuff yeah, you're showing? They can see it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, right, man? It is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't take, if you don't run those hybrid drive working dogs, I mean, they're meant to work. So, <laughs> it pre- pretty much, and that's and that's what the thing is. And if you work them, man, if you go out and really work those dogs on a regular schedule on a regular basis, those dogs will be some of the best dogs you ever had because they they. They're super loyal. They they want they want to have a job and they want to do a good job at their job. And that's Rock's thing. I mean, we get out. If I show up to the house and Ron and I go somewhere and we're going to do a project or something like that, Rock comes unglued because he knows we're supposed to be going hunting. Brian's here. We're taking the truck. If we load the kayaks, yeah. In trouble. Uh, if we really, load the kayaks, really in trouble. If we put a bag of decoys in, it's over. And, and you know, so he. But that's his thing. Is he really wants to please you and he wants to pull ducks and. I'm sure that the pointers are the same way. They just want to go out and do their job and work and and mm-hmm. do what they're what they're bred to do. So, so we're, we're wrapping up here in a little bit. But so, what are your plans for this next hunting season? Where are you going? What dogs you bring in? Well, I uh, Jaeger, Captain, and Nitro will go with me on most trips. I'm supporting an elk hunt at the end of September. Probably just take Captain with me. Uh, do a little bluegrass hunting, maybe some dove hunting up uh, around Pioch. Uh, quail season kicks off the second weekend of October. Uh, I'm not going to do any, any sage grouse hunting this year because they canceled it for Elko and White Pine County. Um, I don't know if you knew that. There's no well, sage grouse in White what's Pine What's a County. draw this year, isn't it, too? Uh, there's a draw up in northern Nevada, and you can hunt sage grouse in um, in Nye County. So if you look you know, way, because Nye County is so big, you go way up into some of those other areas that are in the mountains. There are places where you can sage grouse hunt there, but I don't know the area. I don't have time to research it, so I'm just going to skip it this year. There's a there, the, the 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 commission had an interesting meeting about that with a lot of data as to why they stopped it and like the numbers they got, and it, it was very interesting. It was it was very science based why they stopped it in White Pine, which 
I mean, I thought was good. So, but it's it, like that's your that's your passion. So I right. I feel bad for you, but yeah. Right, the area that I always go in, White Pine County, there were there were a lot of birds. Yeah. So I don't I don't really know the science behind it, and and that's fine. There's plenty of other things to do. Um, so this past year, there was a spot where I got my mule deer, where we had blue grouse, sage grouse. Uh, mule deer and elk all in the same valley because it was so dry yeah uh, so that was an interesting spot so we went we were up this last year hunting with the kids and, and we we were on blue grouse and we were hunting some blue grouse at the same time and that's mm-hmm. a majority of the grouse hunters are just hunters of opportunity there is you it, go there's your call yeah is there a way for me to send this to you yeah here uh send it in an email here or send it through facebook messenger real quick Oh, okay. Yeah, message it to me, and Brian can pull it up right there. Okay. Um, yeah. Hey, as far as kennels go and breeding goes, we had another gentleman on our show a while back, close friend, um, mm-hmm. Tim Ruiz. Oh, he yeah, had, I know Tim. He has an excellent kennel if you're looking for a short hair. And his yeah. lines are good, and they're family dogs. They have off switches. Well, as much as an off, like maybe a dimmer switch for a, <laughs> a dimmer switch for that, a, that only works half of the time. <laughs> that only works. That only works if you uh, shut the power off. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. So, um, well, that's awesome, man. Um, what What do you do with Chucker and your dogs? So with Chucker, my issue with Chucker is I have a hard time running up the cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> So for chucker hunting, for me, it's uh, whenever I can find them, we hunt them. Yeah. But they're always way up on those cliffs. So my my dream hunting dog is the dog that you can hear him way up there, and you can get the dog to go all the way up there and push those suckers back down to you. <laughs> and it hadn't worked out yet. <laughs> I've, I have a few chucker jokes. I heard it is spelled wrong. It's supposed to be spelled with an F. Yeah, <laughs> the red-legged devils. Yeah. I've also heard the first time you go out is for fun, the second time is for revenge. revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, did you get it sent over yet? Though? Well, okay, there we go. Okay, I just did not use my phone. Alan's Alan's getting us the video of him uh, of him doing the quail call here. So, the uh, chucker season, of course, is the same time as quail. So, really, for me, I say I'm going quail hunting, but we always have one or two chucker spots we try out um, up in um, you know north of here, up on uh, off Cane Springs Road, yeah. or up you know wherever it may be. <laughs> Let me talk to you after the show. I might got a spot you gotta try. Okay. Yeah. Dude, you almost you almost gave it to everybody, wrong. I almost gave it to everybody. Really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, that would have been bad. It's, do you do any uh pheasant with them? Absolutely. So I take a one week trip every year to north eastern Colorado. Um and I have some I have a good friend up there that we go with that loves the dogs. And so we pheasant hunt in the day and um that's where I did you hear the story about the snow goose? I don't remember if I told you that. So we, no. were, we were pheasant hunting, and all of a sudden we heard this commotion way over in the distance, and it was snow geese coming off a field. So we dove into the weeds and hid. Changed out. My buddy was hunting with um, with a, a fancy shot that you can shoot both with. But I switched out and got my steel shot. And here comes all these geese. I'm laying straight. I'm laying straight down, looking straight up. Shot that that goose with that seventeen hundred foot per second ounce and a quarter my shoulder was against the dirt oh <laughs> oh no so your shoulder was about three inches thinner when you're done <laughs> yeah and of course it went into in the water into the ice the captain fetched it up and went back to pheasant hunting <laughs> well, yeah that's crazy 
Yeah, no, that's. Uh, do you supplement your dogs with anything? The supplements, I give them uh, fish oil, about an ounce to two ounces a day of fish oil, plus a uh, glucosamine supplement. It's actually for horses, not because it's better, but because it's cheaper. So look at supplements for horses for as glucosamine goes, and it's a fraction of the cost of the ones for dogs, but you have to buy a giant vat of it. See, we've done, um, I had a dog that he had some hip issues. He was getting older. You know, he, at that point, he was like 14 years old, 15 years old. And we did a chondroitin. Um, glucosamine chondroitin mix mm-hmm. and man that it, it changed that dog's life i mean he went from from hobbling around to running and chasing the puppies after that i mean it's a it's a miracle what that stuff will do and what it does for their joints and so anytime we have our dogs start to start to limp around a little bit we'll we'll get them on that that pretty good so we also had the uh my, my dog elu recently so yeah i see it we got it up Okay. Uh, she she had the same issue. We started giving those pills and it worked out awesome. Right. So. I just get the powder and mix it in with their food. You know, it's mm-hmm. a you know it's a huge vat like you would give to your horses, but it's uh <laughs> I think if you double click it, it'll pull up right there. Yeah, but it's blocked behind. Uh, it's blocked behind the uh, the pitcher behind our stuff. So this is the quill call. Here, unmute the volume. See if he'll come through on there. I don't think everybody else will be able to hear it. But no, probably not. Yeah. And we'll post it on the Facebook page for everybody to watch. Are you okay, okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll throw our battle more ductors if you guys want to go watch Alan calling those quail. That is neat, man. I have never heard of that. And I mean, I've been chasing quail with my family my whole life. So, if you so. haven't been catching him, that's a different. Yeah, well, they run really fast, man. <laughs> well, if you weren't wearing, we weren't wearing Crocs, and maybe you could catch one of them. Well, Alan figured out some new shoes I can wear now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, Alan, man, I, I really enjoyed having you on the show and I, I think you do really good work and um i really like I, your dogs are also i sorry this i was gonna wrap up but you're all your dogs also go on some um the outdoor foundation hunts too correct absolutely so i volunteer with the nevada outdoor adventure foundation and my older pups have spent a lot of times with the the veterans. The organization raise, raises money for battle injured veterans. And we've taken them out, put them on pheasants. I've had guys do ride alongs and just spend quality time with the dogs. They'll get up in their lap, whatever it is. They're fantastic at that. Yeah. So yeah, man. Thank you for everything you do, and thank you for coming on the show and telling us about the dogs. And man, I'll tell you what, I learned a lot. I mean, the bone broth thing alone is what I'm going to use this next hunt. Uh, right. I'm, I'm curious at, at how your wife makes it. Okay. So, yeah, because I didn't even think of that. If you're making a bunch of it, so you're using the can things in a big canner, right? Nope, nope. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what she does afterwards. But she just puts it on the stove in a big pot oh, okay. and low boils it for like three days with vegetables and all sorts of other stuff on it. And then she strains it out, and then she puts it into the jars, and then she pressure cans it. Okay, gotcha. But she also, if she's making soups and stuff, she'll drain it into um, Ziploc bags. And then you lay them on a sheet tray and freeze it, freeze them flat, and then you can stack them in your freezer. Fantastic! And then I can yeah. take them on the hunt, and they'll fall out on their own. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they're, they're your use ice them for your, your freezer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, Excellent. or you could just give it to your dogs as popsicles to cool them down in summer. Oh yeah, yeah. man, another great idea. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's, that's good getting dog people together, man. So, well, thanks for coming on, man, and uh, we'll uh, we're, we're definitely gonna get out with you this season. So. Appreciate it. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you coming on. You know, as always, if you're going to go out this weekend, make sure you take somebody with you. If you can, if you're going to take somebody with you, make sure you teach them something. If you can't take somebody or teach somebody, make sure you hunt hard. Thanks. Mm-hmm.